lot of people see me and they're like, wow, of course, Ashley, you have all these locations and all these team members. And I'm like, y'all don't really realize there's nothing special about me. You can absolutely have this too. Like I'm kind of smart. I like people. I work hard. Cool. Cool. But I bet you do too. Hey CEOs, welcome back to the CEO wing woman show. I'm your host, Christy Bowie. And today we are back with a really awesome topic that I'm going to be real. I think some of you need to hear. So I am so excited to announce our guest, Ashley Ebert. When Ashley started her wedding planning company, the Simply Elegant Group, she just started as a one woman operation, which is, I think, something probably a lot of us can resonate with right now. But years later, she actually has grown her business to one of the largest planning companies in the country and has a team of over 40 employees and over $4 million in sales. And if that 40 million or 40, 40 employees were just freaked you the heck out, we are going to talk about this. So how we manage employees, why we have them. So Ashley is a natural born connector and she's going to share what she's learned about being a leader of these 40 employees and what she's learned about team development through her company, The Abundance Group. And she's actually now using this company to create, to help over 15,000 creative entrepreneurs build their dream business by building their teams. And Ashley, I am so excited to have you here. I would love to help you find those people, those 15,000 people to really build their business. So I'm so excited you're here. Yeah, I love it. I mean, talking teams all day long, all day, every day. Um, and I loved the uh, Freudian slip about $400 million. That's, <laughs> that's next year. That's it's next coming. year. <laughs> it's coming. 40 million. Oh my I love gosh. It. Never funny. numbers that scare us. I no, love it. No, 100%. No, totally. So, but you were just predicting the future. It was fine. Totally. <laughs> So um, I would love for you to kind of just give our guests a little bit of intro, what they need to know about you, um, and really how this all came to be. Yeah, well, like you said, you know, started in the creative uh, industry uh, when I was 23. I actually uh, took care of my grandma for the last year of her life when I was 23. And it kind of took me out of the job market. I was deciding, do I want to do marriage and family therapy? Do I want to um, be an entrepreneur? My dad is an entrepreneurial business coach and leadership and team development as well with corporate. Um, and so he kind of like gently tapped me on the shoulder and he was like, what about, you know, starting a business? And I was like, have never thought of that. Um, so the thing that I think really catapulted me to success was having a coach, having him alongside me. Um, and then, you know, we hit our, our what would have been my five-year goal, which was, to work with 20 to 25 couples a year. We hit that in six months. Um, so we had to start making other plans. And then all of a sudden I want, you know, I was passing on clients because I was already booked and dad's like, well, have you ever thought about bringing other people on your team? I was like, I am 23 and I am six months into this. I don't even know what profit is. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? Um, but honestly, he was there with me, um, you know, really taught me how to build a strong organization and build strong leadership skills. Um, so we just kept scaling. Then we started a market in Chicago um, and the rest was history once we proved that concept. And um, like I say, now we're in nine markets and it's actually a team of 50, um, which is crazy. Uh, was, uh, you know, keep, we keep expanding and keep growing. And honestly, I, you know, Christy, I get asked all the time, like, gosh, how are you doing this? And I'm like, Dale, Dale's how I'm doing this. Let me introduce you to him. So we kind of had a joke that it, 
I'd introduce, you know, him to my friends for years to help them. And uh, he was riding off into the sunset of retirement. And I was like, wait, before you go, let's just start a whole nother business. Um, and that is the abundance group. And we teach, um, you know, team development. We teach everything around teams. We also, you know, in there, we know marketing and sales and all that good stuff too. But really our main focus is really helping um, service-based business owners, creatives, women business owners, like, get empowered to chase their real big scary dream uh, by bringing in other humans uh, and having people be a part of your team. I love that. And it sounds so similar to a lot of the stories my clients have. I have so many people coming to me saying like, well, I just like doing this. I was really good at it. And um, all of a sudden I need more people. And apparently I'm a business owner now, yep. but I really just wanted to do this one thing that I was good at. So yeah. it's a very natural progression of, mm -hmm. yeah, when you are so good at what you do and there is demand for you and to, to work with you the way people do, you know, mm -hmm. that opportunity to build a team, it's just presented to you in a way that is so perfect. So mm -hmm. I know you kind of mentioned you know, at 23, it was very daunting for you to mm -hmm. start building a team. What were some of the emotions you were kind of feeling and how did you begin to overcome that? Mm -hmm. What a great question. I'm on a lot of podcasts. I'm like that is a really <laughs> good question. Like what am I feeling? When I was 23, I was, I was terrified. Like, right. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Talk about imposter syndrome. I am 23. I don't know what I'm doing. That's just like, <laughs> It's just like, what? It's not even imposter. It's just like, why am I here? I'm an adult now because now I employ people. What is happening? Um, fear, but also I think with that determination, because mm -hmm. I now it was about, you know, making Simply Elegant, the planning company, successful for my life. But now there was this other human that used it for feeding their family or pursuing their goals. So it just kind of up leveled my maturity. And now I had to really start thinking strategically and I had to start tracking metrics in a different way because I had more than just, you know, my family or me at that time, dependent on what decisions I was making. I was, well, I'm, I'm a pretty risk tolerant person, but when you start to bring on team members, it's just different because you want to make sure you're showing up well for them. So I would say, man, I felt fear but I also felt empowered and excited. And it almost gave me, I think when people start in the entrepreneurial world, when you leave a corporate job or you decide that's not the route for you, it's because you want freedom. You want to say when you want to work, how you want to work, where you want to work, all of that. And then we get like sucked into the vortex that is business. There's that cute like meme that's like so I now it's every my, moment of every day. Right. I left my 40 hour to work 400 or whatever it is. Right. Um, a hundred percent. And so what, I think the next step after you have that success, like you're talking about, is building a team because that's how you get that back. That's how you get the time back. Um, but I think a lot of people are really, really afraid of having that level of responsibility in their mind yeah. um, and don't feel equipped to do it. Absolutely. And I, I definitely agree. Having a team member really lights a fire under you that can be interpreted in different ways, right? For some people that can just feel so anxious and overwhelming that we decide not to take that route. But for some people, it, it lights that determination to say, I do not have the option to fail. People mm -hmm. are counting on me and I am responsible for this other person and this other family. And mm -hmm. I think that there are ways that, you know, any listeners who are feeling that overwhelmed side of it can shift that mindset and say, 
okay, this is perfect. Like the floor has been pulled out from under me. How do I sustain myself? I, I have to, there is no other option. So I love mm-hmm. kind of that, that mindset adaptation of, you know, it's, it's determination to, I have to do it. Yeah. And can so, I tell you too, when you're talking about the group of people that kind of let the overwhelm overcome them and then decide not to build teams, it honestly, it breaks my heart because it's like you watch a, like if you watched a movie and you knew the ending was great and everything they wanted, but instead they just stopped during like the plot twist, right? Unless you want a cliffhanger. A hundred percent. And I'm like, but the ending is so good. Like you're going to be so happy you did. That is how dad and I feel all the time. Like whenever we hear that, it is letting fear and imposter syndrome and all of these scarcity things be in the driver's seat because we can, we can help you solve cash flow problems. We can help you solve leadership issues and training, onboarding, finding talent. All of those things are, there is a process that we bring our community through to help you through all those things. But if you don't even start, it's just one of those things I'm like, oh, I just want to see the end of the movie. It's so good. Um, it's the best way I can describe it. And out of total love and like believing in the opportunity, because like dad will say, you know, he'll get on phone uh, phone calls, like one-on-ones with a lot of our community. Um, and he'll say, you don't understand how amazing the business is you've already built because you're in it. You've been doing it for a couple of years, maybe. And you see that small progression. It's like when your kids grow up, you don't really, you know, you can look back and see pictures of when they're babies. You're like, I don't even remember that. (laughs) It's kind of like that in business too, because you don't realize the work, the effort, the lessons and all of that that they've already learned. It's like the hard part you've done, like building a team isn't the hard part. The hard part is marketing and sales. Okay. (laughs) That's the harder part of business to, to us. Yeah. And I love that because, you know, one of the things that I really want to emphasize with this whole podcast is like, you know, I call myself the CEO wing woman because I want business owners to get back to being the CEO. And if you are in the business day to day, because you don't have a team, you cannot be CEO. You are going back and forth between client service and then maybe sales and then content posting and act like you are just back and forth between Mm -hmm. all of it. And the real goal and dream of business ownership, in my opinion, is not like literally starting and owning the business. It's being a CEO where you get to focus on, you know, high level strategy and client acquisition and all of those things when you have a team to pass it off to. And something mm. else that I have actually really faced about, you know, back when, before I started building a team was, hey, I felt actually as in the CEO role, in the sales roles, in the acquisition roles, I didn't feel great about that because this sounds so silly. I knew I was then passing on the work to myself. I was like, okay, if I land this client, that's more work I have to do. And that's like, I didn't have a funnel to feel comfortable about once I land this client, I'm passing them off into a good process and I know the back end is taken care of. And so I actually tracked like my sales calls during that time. And I like was not converting at a level that I should have been because I didn't feel good about mm. the, the backup, the support I had. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just wanted to throw that out there that like, there are also like just mindset blocks that you go through when you don't have some other people supporting you. So you yeah. know, talking about how you've been able to grow your business 
if you had just said, nope, I just want it to be me, where do you think you would be today? Mm -hmm. Uh, probably like, I have no idea, but <laughs> I, I, yeah, this is, my life doesn't exist in mm -hmm. the same capacity period. Yeah. I like, I would probably have given up on entrepreneurship because one of the things I hear a lot and I, we've actually created a solution around for our community is that you feel alone and you're on entrepreneur Island and like you, mm -hmm. there's nobody to talk to. And again, you could have a significant other or a spouse or whatever, but like, Oh, they are the last person who understands. Yeah, well, and it's just different. Like they can hear you. And I have like the most amazing supportive husband. And I start talking about P and L's and projections for 2024. And he's like, shoot, what do you want for dinner, babes? And I'm like, okay, cool. I got it. Yeah. I mean, he's brilliant and amazing, but he just, He's not in the thick of it every day. Mm -hmm. And to, I think for me, if, and I'm a very like uh, extroverted yellow, I love meeting new people, all the things. Entrepreneurship would have been so lonely for me that I think I would have not, I think I would have gone to a corporate job. Um, and again, I think it, the motivation wouldn't have been there to your point of like, I just know I'm selling myself for client work. And um, you said something earlier in the podcast about, um, you know, this transition between service delivery, or I'm a wedding planner, or a florist, or a designer, or a coach, or whatever, to I'm a small business owner, or I'm an entrepreneur. And that is such a important distinction. And when you start showing up in a different role and that different hat, you just see things differently. So I've been an entrepreneur for so long in my brain, not just a wedding planner, that my life would just, I would not, I don't think I would be in the industry if I didn't have a team. Yeah. So I love hearing that perspective because, you know, I think there are a lot of people who may start feeling burnt out and start feeling scared and overwhelmed. But also when we look at, you know, what is the alternative? Why can you not just give yourself this chance and this opportunity? Because like you said, you know, we've seen the movie play out. We know mm -hmm. what could be. So, you know, just a little, I don't know, a little insight to our listeners of like, hey, there are reasons that companies do this and that they're successful doing this. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I just, I like giving that people, people that little nugget of like, well, here's plan B. Like if mm -hmm. you don't do plan A, it's not like plan B as much, you know, is going to be better. Yeah. Um, because and I think I, a lot of people sit in that. Well, mm -hmm. I could, I'm good enough right now. It's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you really? And the other thing I think about is when when you're building and you're growing and you're burning yourself out and all those emotions and feelings, I think we get lost in that it always feels heavy. And then if we add another thing, like building a team, it can only feel heavier. <laughs> and I'm like, no, a team is the one thing that can lighten your load. Mm -hmm. That's the thing where there's a certain amount of, of success that businesses have. And then you're just going to keep hitting a wall because you can't make more time, right? If it's just you, you have to accept the lid that is created in your business. Um, and I think people don't realize that that's actually what they're choosing. They're avoiding the fear or avoiding the scary thing. But in actuality, you're choosing the limit that you have. And I think when people look at it that way, they're like, oh, and again, there's solutions and easy ways to work through finding talent and all this stuff. Once you know it, you know it. Um, just like when you, you know, first started your business, if you 
you know, sold candles. The first candle you made, probably not as good as the candles you make now because you've learned things. Same thing in leadership. Leadership is not a personality characteristic. It is not that someone is charismatic or an extrovert. Honestly, the extroverts can make some really crappy leaders, <laughs> you know, and introverts can make incredibly um, empathetic, thoughtful leaders. So leadership is just a skill, period. Building a team is just a skill and you can learn skills. And that's the thing I really want people to know when they're feeling that hitting up into that limit in their business. Yes, absolutely. And to our listeners who listened to the episode with Emily a few weeks back, um, one of the things she said was, you know, she is a therapist who talks to clients who are facing, you know, anxiety and imposter syndrome. And one of the things she said was, think back to how many things in your life you have learned. You couldn't walk, you couldn't talk, you couldn't do all of these things, but you just kept learning. And so if the thought of learning this new thing is overwhelming, like, how many things in your life have you learned? It's literally more than you can count. Um, mm -hmm. So just having the faith that you are capable of learning one more thing, and it's just no different than anything else. I love putting that perspective on it. Yeah, so and they don't, you know, they don't throw you forty employees, <laughs> right? You have Absolutely one, <laughs> right? You have one that's four hours a week. That's where we start, yeah. right? We don't. When people look at my organization, which this was not the plan for me either. That's the thing I'll say is like, and then I fell so much in love with it that it was like, oh my gosh, you know, give me all the team members. I want to uh, positively impact as many people, women as I can um, on my team. But I don't know. I think for me, it's like we always, we, we look at something and we think we're going to be handed that overnight. And it's like, no, you have so many lessons to learn between now and then. And the way to learn them is to go through it. Because it, you, there's some things you can't just be told. You have to or live Or you can't. Through. You just will ignore it. Yeah. Or it's out. just harder to like, oh, that's why it's that way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, absolutely. I think, again, teams is just a skill. Building teams is just a skill. And absolutely, everybody listening can learn it if they want to. Yes. So looking to, you know, some mistakes that people commonly make doing this that may actually make it harder or may make them start to feel that overwhelm? What should we look at to kind of avoid or pay really close attention to as we start to build this team? Yeah. First thing that comes to mind um, for me is really ensuring that you're setting expectations well. Ooh, I, I think that. that is the number one thing that people don't do. And then they expect like, oh, it's going to go great. Um, and I think some people are worried or, um, don't know how to set expectations well, or they think they set expectations well, but the, the team member doesn't necessarily have that same experience. Um, but when you have somebody in the come on board, spending time onboarding them and explaining what their role is, why it's their role, how you're measuring their success. Say that one again, because yeah, that is such a key piece, how you're measuring their success, because what if someone, for example, one we hear commonly, uh, social media managers, you're, they're going to manage your Instagram account. And the owner says, hey, thanks so much. I just want you to manage my Facebook and Instagram accounts and uh, help me make some uh, TikToks. Like, this is what all I want you to do. Great. So they do that. They produce the content. Um, but in actuality, the business owner uh, didn't give them, well, we actually need that content to produce leads for our website. The result I need is more 
more people coming into my inbox, more people DMing us, more whatever. And here the team member is working their tail off and doing such a great job and giving their skills and their time and their energy. And their, I, I don't know, for me, I'm in this season where time, giving someone your time is the most precious thing we can do. Because I can make more money. Mm-hmm. I can't make more time. Right. So when I give someone my time, it is the the biggest honor, right? And not that you're, you're honored to be uh, have some part of my time, but you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> we anybody, right? Anybody giving your time to that is an that is an honoring act. Mm-hmm. And so when you have people on your team that are giving you that honor as the owner, like we need to make sure we're giving them clear direction. So, you know, like I say, when, you know, a social media manager, if they're like, I am giving all my time and talent and I'm doing this and I'm, I'm doing a great job because, wow, look at the content I'm producing. And the owner is frustrated because they're not making more money. They're not having more lead gen and whatever. And there's such a disconnect. And that's the thing. It's like, let's bridge that disconnect. Mm-hmm. If, if the leader can have the conversation of like, hey, this is actually the measure of success. Well, she might pay attention to how they're building content very differently. Or she may have to realign expectations of the owner. Like, I can't guarantee you we can double your business by putting a reel on Instagram and calling it a day. Like, there's so much more we need. We need funnels, we need all this, right? And that's the thing, I think, if I can wait, if I could, and, and dad honestly says in a lot of, I mean, he's worked with like 50 Fortune 500 companies and taught leadership in their C-suite. He says they still don't set expectations well. Mm-hmm. So you are so far ahead of the game if you learn. And again, it's not rocket science. It's a we teach a very step-by-step process on how to set expectations. We actually give you tools like enter this here. It's that simple. If you do that well, you will be so far and beyond your competition, others in your industry, that team members will be knocking down your door to want to work for you. And people are like, no, 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 that's not a thing, Ashley. Like, that's real cute to say. And I'm like, no, I promise. We have students that have had that happen. They're like, oh my gosh, you were for real. Like, I have people that like have asked to work at my company. And that's the thing I think is really cool. Yeah. So I would say biggest mistake uh, is not setting expectations well, not not telling them how you're measuring success in their role. And they're just running a different direction. Right. And we want to make sure we're, we're on the same plane. I think something that business owners discount a lot is like their employees do care and want to feel like they're doing a good job. And this was something, you know, I definitely experienced in the corporate world. Like I thought I was doing great and I was like, I'm doing this. And I honestly never knew actually, I was like busting my tail and no one was ever like, yeah, you're on the right direction or Hey, Mm. you can maybe improve this. And for me, and I think a lot of people, especially in this creative entrepreneur space, like we drive a lot off of emotion and people are always like, oh, cause you want some more pay or, you know, my team member wants more pay. It's like, no, I just like want to feel good about what I'm doing. I want to feel mm-hmm. like I'm making a difference. Quite frankly, I am very much a people pleaser. I want to please the person who has hired me and make them feel mm-hmm. like my presence is important there even mm-hmm. more than. I want to raise or I want time off. Like genuinely, that's how I feel. And that's how I think a lot of people feel. But when those expectations aren't set so that you can measure them and know if you're doing a good job, you know, as someone who was on the flip side of it, that was hard Mm -hmm. to be like, I think I'm doing a good job, but I never really know what I'm measured against. So how do I even Mm -hmm. go to someone and say like, 
yes, I, I think I'm doing well, but like, what can I improve on? And I think mm-hmm. those misaligned or like not even created expectations that mm-hmm. actually causes the tension probably more than anything else. Well, and a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to be a boss because I had a bad boss yeah. and I don't want to bring that into my organization. And I'm like, well, then don't like there. <laughs> Do it differently. You don't have to be a bad boss. We can, you know, like I say, and I think you're spot on that it, a lot of that is I didn't have expectations in my corporate job. I didn't know how I was doing, what I was doing, if I was adding value. I was kind of guessing, or I got negative feedback when I thought I was working really hard. It's the worst. <laughs> and then, well, of course, I don't want to be a boss like that in my organization. And so it's like, and and my my whatever quip comment is, well, then don't. Absolutely, you can absolutely break that cycle. And there is a very, um, like I say, kind of uh, easy, strategic way that any type of personality, any type of, of owner um, can really kind of adopt these methods and it will help them create a, an amazing culture that has great expectations, that high performing teams that love the work. Um, yeah. And the, the thing, the other thing I'll say to Christy is a lot of people see me and they're like, wow, of course, Ashley, you have all these locations and all these team members. And I'm like, y'all don't really realize there's nothing special about me. <laughs> like, You can absolutely have this too. Like I'm kind of smart. I like people. I work hard. Cool. Cool. But I bet you do too. There is nothing that, that, you know, stops people from being where I'm at. I'm not like a magician that holds these secrets. Um, and I, like I say, I'm, I'm nothing special. All my friends will tell you, they're like, it's just ass. <laughs> like, no, yeah, she, she fine. Um, and, you know, it, so I just, I hope that resonates with someone that like, I screwed up to get here too. I tripped on a whole bunch of potholes. I made a bunch of mistakes, dumb, expensive mistakes. I call them Please college let me share part those. two. Like they were that expensive, but it's okay. <laughs> right. I almost feel better about the amount that I've spent on my, you know, business learning than uh, college education, but it is. And it's like, I just, you can absolutely have it too. I promise. I know the end of the movie. I know it's amazing. And yeah, it's, it's that thing of like, I just want people to try because they're so empowered once they do. It's like the grass is greener. Come on over. Like, it's fine. You're going to love it. Um, That's definitely the feeling of it. Yeah, that's awesome. So something that I feel has been a pretty hot topic, at least in some of my communities lately that I want to talk about is the difference between kind of what we would consider like outsourcing work, maybe to another company or someone who is more of a contractor, but like super independent versus actually mm-hmm. bringing them on into their team, into your team. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what is kind of the difference between that? What are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I talk a lot and I teach a lot about this. So like basically independent contractor versus employee. So it's actually a legal distinction between workers. Listen to that, please. And- because people always ask me what's better for tax purposes. And I'm like, I, I'm, we're not going there because it doesn't yeah, matter. It's a, yeah, <laughs> so it's listen to legal, that. It's, yeah. And it's, and I think people don't understand that even if you say they're a contractor and they say they're a contractor, it doesn't mean they're actually a contractor. Totally. Um, it's about the type of work they're doing and uh, what it kind of boils down to is how much control you have over the work that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Now, to make this even more complicated, every single state has different rules that change all the time. So TLDR have a lawyer. <laughs> I know it's, it's just silly. And honestly, we kind of take the stance of 
I don't know, acting in what we call acting in good faith. I, I did this the best I could with the knowledge I had and the time that I had it. Mm-hmm. And resting your head on your pillow at night and going, that was good enough. And even if I didn't do it perfectly or legally exactly the way I should, I worked really hard to do it the way that I thought was right. And that has to be enough. That's like our bar for our company. Totally. Now, if you know that you have, you know, people that are on your team that are classified as contractors and they should be employees, you should do your due diligence to move them over. But also like you need to still make sales and you still need to keep your business afloat. So it doesn't need to be the number one thing you're doing. Mm -hmm. You are making strides towards doing that. So backing up a little bit, contractors and employees. So contractors, 1099 contractors, they are uh, basically people that do work for your organization that aren't like kind of like you say internal or in the everyday and like minutia. They're not a, there's someone that comes in like an SEO strategist or a website, um, a designer. They're kind of coming on a project basis there's all these questions about VAs. Are they or are they not? Mostly, um, I think it depends, again, on your state. So there's two different ways that they classify. There's either um, through the IRS 20 factors test or there's the ABC test or AB5 laws for all my Californians. Um, and ABC is a little bit more strict. Um, basically, if you're doing any service delivery um, and they're working, uh, they're working as a planner under a planner, that's considered an employee, like the very easy, like, you know, way to overgeneralized piece of it. So basically if, you know, you're hiring anyone to do the service delivery that you do, um, and you live in the state of California, uh, there are definitely some workarounds on it, um, but they should be classified as an employee. What I'll say is there's more states are IRS 20 factors tests mm-hmm. than uh, ABC, but um, it is brought uh, constantly. Um, and I have heard just like in my professional forums that this is going to be something that is looked at a lot more in the next few years. And I think, yeah, it kind of used to pop up and now with the changing of landscape and the workforce over the last three years, I think it's going to lean. The thing about it is right. We have to think about it from the government wants people to be employees. This isn't a political statement. This is just like how taxes are paid. Like it's totally, just like yep. they, it is easier for them to track the money, mm-hmm. right? If they are a W two employee, and it gets paid. Um, it gets paid in, right? And 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 that's not that just is. It's not a problem. It's totally understandable. So the system is built with that in mind. The system is built with a slant to have team members be W two. All of that to say, I think people are really scared about having employees versus contractors. Contractors feels easier, less responsibility, less load. You don't pay taxes because they pay their own, all of those things. And I totally get that. And I was in there. There is definitely seasons in your business where that makes sense. And you're not you're not necessarily going to bring on a employee or a, certainly not a full time employee right out of the gate. Like we all have seasons that we're in, in our business. Um but if you are having them do service delivery in a lot of places, it's just going to start to get muddied. Oh, the other thing I'll say is having employees gives you as the employer so much more control, mm-hmm. control of the work. You can, you can really um, have more say in when, how, where the work is getting done. Um, and that's not even necessarily that you're controlling. It's that, Hey, I need you to be on site for 10 hours for this. Hey, I really need you to get them that response in 24 hours. I need like, there are certain brand standards that you have that again if it's a contractor technically you can't really get into a lot of of telling them what to do a yeah. uh, lawyer that i talked to and that we've talked about this extensively says it's kind of like if i had a plumber come to my house 
I'm not telling, I might tell him what bathroom he needs to be in. <laughs> Here's right? the problem. But I'm not, right. The one that's like overflowing with water. The fact that you had to ask that is a little scary, but right here, you can tell him what bathroom, but you can't tell him what tools to use, how long it should take, all of those things, because that's his expertise. And you're not going to assert that much control over that person that comes into the house, right? So it's kind of, contractors are kind of like that. The other thing I'll say is we are kind of like contractors for a lot of our clients, especially for B2B. Um, you know, like, and I, I teach a lot of my community in the creative world is in the wedding world of like our clients that hire us don't tell us how to build a timeline. They don't tell us how to, um, you know, pose for shots. They don't tell us what filters to use. They don't tell us what florals to do because that's, they're hiring for our expertise. So, so that is the hat that you should wear when it comes to a contractor. Um, but, you know, basically if you're in the other bucket, employees are the way to go. Employees, again, you can um, pay hourly. The other thing is people are like, oh, I can't afford an employee. Employees should be cheaper per hour than contractors. Because you're paying the tax on So it. you can <laughs> augment your costs, right? So let's say your contractor for easy math um, is 50 bucks an hour. Well, you don't have to pay your, your W-2 employee $50 an hour. You could pay them $35 an hour plus taxes. So then you're, you know, again, so there's the affordability um, piece of it. The I'm so scared. I don't know what taxes. I don't know all of that. I promise you take one day, you learn what your state is. Then you know it forever. You choose a payroll company and you never look at it again, ever. Yep. <laughs> it's like, it's a very like one and done project based thing. Um, you know, you decide on a payroll provider and you let them handle a lot of the it. Time is like, mm -hmm. Yeah. And Gusto and all that is all done. So this is like the third episode Gusto. I've mentioned them, but yeah, Gusto's great. I love Gusto. <laughs> Also, local payroll providers, if you like like that to have a person that you can call, are great too. Mm -hmm. um, but you you set that up once and you're done. Um, and now you have more. Uh, honestly, the other thing that I don't think people think or talk about a lot is there's this um, loyalty aspect yes. to W two versus contractors. Contractors by nature are working with other people. They're focused on other things. You are kind of a small part of their world. But employees, like you pay their wages, you uh, pour into them from a leadership perspective, you're building these relationships. So there's this unspoken loyalty. And for a lot of people, employees will stay on obviously much longer and they'll be more, they'll be cheaper over time as well, because you don't have to keep like with contractors, if you're hiring multiple over and over, you have to retrain them or have them get to know, you know, what you need. There's always that like learning process, but when you have employees and they're with you, I mean, I have some on my team that have been with me eight, nine years. Um, they're teaching me now. <laughs> I'm not teaching them. Um, and that's just, again, one of those unwritten or kind of unspoken things we don't think about. Mm -hmm. We're just worried about the immediate that it feels overwhelming and a whole lot of responsibility to have employees. Um, and I, my promise is, you know, you're, you take some time to figure out your state laws. You take some time to figure out your payroll and then you're good to go. Yeah. It's not as scary. And as I, I love seems. that you brought in the loyalty component because that's something for me that I have been thinking about a lot, especially when we consider the fact that like in general, contract work is considered project work. So there are components mm -hmm. of my business that I could very easily outsource to someone else, you know, doing this. And, and I've talked to a lot of other people in my industry and they're like, oh, just outsource this. This group is cheap and this group does that. And I'm like, here's the thing if I just outsource something to somebody, they are not focused on making me better. They're focused on doing that job, getting it back to me and getting it done. 
But what I really want and what I really need, especially as, you know, a business who has really big goals and dreams and is still, you know, getting there, I need someone who will quite frankly call me out on my crap and be like, Christy, this was a terrible mm. process. Um, I need you to fix mm -hmm. it. Or your client mm -hmm. is feeling this way because you did X, Y, and Z. Like I need people there to be looking out for the blind spots that I have because I'm mm -hmm. not perfect. We're definitely not all perfect as business owners. And so having somebody there who is not just worried about getting that one project or job done, actually worried about and invested in growing the business and that experience as a whole, for me, realizing that was like, no, I need an employee. I need somebody who is loyal. And, you know, mm -hmm. if that looks different than contractor financially, so be it. Um, but having somebody there who is not focused on getting the job done, but is focused on growing the business, I think is the mm -hmm. biggest distinction that I see. Yeah. And the other thing I'll say too, Christy, is the strategic hire makes you money. Mm -hmm. A strategic hire makes you money fast. Like, and that's the thing that people are like, oh, it's such a cost. It's such a cost to have an employee. I'm like, you're doing it wrong. Let's figure that out. It should <laughs> be it for like it a really month or two and then it should turn around yeah. right away. You have some onboarding mm -hmm. costs depending upon, and honestly, sometimes you can instantly double book Yeah, and you know that the project is going to take place. Like for example, best, best example I can think of off the top of my head, uh, event management for our wedding planning. So that's really like, typically they'll book us six to 12 months out to be there on the event day. There's about a month of work ahead of time but they're going to book us and then sit on our books for like 10 months. And can you teach me how to be booked six months out of time? <laughs> Mine are like, yeah. I want to start but tomorrow. And I'm like, okay, yeah. let's do the first of next month. <laughs> and here's the, you know, the only thing you do is set expectations of, Hey, I'm so excited to work with you. Our engagement's going to start in March. Yeah. Can't wait or whatever. Right. That's a whole nother episode. It's a whole nother episode. Um, but right. It's that idea of like, okay, I can instantly double book September 8th because I know the work isn't going to start mm -hmm. in that case for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of creative professionals that have mm -hmm. that where again, they're copywriters, designers, they know they can say, Hey, our engagement isn't going to start for six weeks. You now have six weeks to train them with the cash that you got as a deposit. Heck yes. Nice. Let's go. That's instant ROI on your hires. So I don't want people to, to frame themselves in a way where my team only costs me money and I'm so worried about whatever. Yes, there are going to be some some training costs and onboarding, maybe even some recruiting costs, depending upon what you do. And let's figure out how if you can double book or if you can take on more clients or if you can like, right, can we can we get that taken care of right out of the gate? Um, there's creative ways to think about it. And I think I just I, for somebody listening, I hope that kind of stirred an idea. And if it did come DM me, cause I want to talk about it with you <laughs> and like get you connected to resources and all of that. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a limiting belief. I think that, that a, a employee or a team member costs money. They should be a strategic hire will make you money and make you money fast. Yes. I love that. Well, Ashley, we have already talked about so, so much and we'll definitely have to take you up on that second episode mm -hmm. later on talking about all of the rest. Um, but you know, if, if our listeners do want to reach out with you, potentially work with you, hear about everything you have to offer, where can they find you? Yeah. I hang out a whole bunch with Kayla, who's another tag team member, um, in Instagram. So we're just the abundance group on Instagram, uh, DM us. Honestly, if you're hanging out, 
Um, I will, I would love to hear you, you know, tell me about your story. Come and hit us up in our DMs and I will give you a special free gift. Yes. If tell them, you know, if you're going to come into my DM, tell me, Hey, I heard you on Christie's podcast. I want all the free goodies, all the free resources. And I have a, a really special one. I want to give your audience, Christy, and I'm excited about Yay. it. But you got to DM me to find out. Yay. Okay. You guys, all <laughs> of those links will be in the show notes below too. So literally all it takes, open up the show notes. Click that Instagram handle and you'll go right to Ashley's um, profile. Go ahead and send that DM. Literally, why not get started right now? Mm -hmm. Imagine where you could be in the next 6, 12, 24 months if we get started mm -hmm. literally today. So I am so excited for that. Can you just give us a brief overview? I know you have a couple programs, mm -hmm. offerings um, yeah. of what might be right for our potential listeners. Yeah, so we obviously, we have uh, free resources. We have kind of um, lower investment resources like a complete guide to hiring and, and where we give templates and all that good stuff. Then we have foundations of a team, which is a really good one. But then our kind of mid-range offerings are we do a building your team intensive. Uh, we have had hundreds of students through that. Um, it's a 12-week live taught class with me and Dale. Um, it is a blast. 100% um, of the people that have gone through it are like, you do not charge enough money for this. This is amazing, uh, which we love. Um, so we have that offering that we uh, have enrollments about five times a year for. So it kind of depends on the uh, where people are at in the season listening to this. And then we do um, uh, advising. So that's a you know eight to $15,000 investment where we're coming in and we're assessing opportunities, building in leadership, all of that um, individual on a one-on-one -on -one basis. So those are kind of our main, main core ways we can help, but we got a lot of different options for people. Yes, that's amazing. And I imagine so many of our listeners just feel a level of relief kind of knowing that there are resources to teach you how to do that. I know that when mm -hmm. I first started, I was like, well, I'm really good at like doing actually what I do, but how the heck do mm -hmm. I like run the business? And knowing that there are people out there who do have these very, very specialized skills to actually teach you how to do those things makes it so much more accessible. Mm -hmm. Well, and like I say, I've made all the mistakes already for you. So I'll just tell you all the things, all the ways I messed up. And honestly, dad, I mean, dad makes five, six figures in his consulting engagements to teach C-suite people. It's like, man, I want that in my business and I want it in yeah. yours. You know what I mean? Like I want that knowledge and oh, that the same knowledge so. that yeah. these massive companies are getting. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So thank yeah. you so much, Ashley, for being here. We are going to have to close up today, but I am so appreciative of having you here. And to our listeners, everything will be linked in the show notes. And thank you so much, CEOs. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.